Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on a rather wet Friday, June the 4th. Well, the good news is that it should be brightening up for the weekend. First today, there's criticism of the government's decision to remove Portugal from the UK's green travel list. Ministers here say it's because of rising cases and concern over a new variant. But leaders in the country itself have questioned the decision, which means holidaymakers won't be able to go now to any European destination without having to isolate on return. Well, first up, let's hear from Chris Scoble, who runs Go Scoble Travel Agents in Tunbridge Wells. He's been speaking to Ish. It was the shock, really, because no one was expecting it. So we were expecting, actually, to have countries go onto the green list um, and to open up some more destinations for our customers. Um, it's very, very, very out of the blue. Um, and what, what does this mean for many of your customers? I imagine a lot of their plans have been scuppered by this. Well, it means a lot for customers, of course, because, yes, their plans have been scuppered. And we were told that we there, were going to be, there was going to be a green list watch list, which would give three weeks notice. That has been ignored um, and back to last summer's chaos again. So, yes, customers are very disappointed, of course, but also for the wider, for the travel industry, it's, it's devastating, to be honest. And now with Portugal gone, that, that leaves no major European destination um, that we can go to without having to quarantine on our return. I mean, this isn't just about getaways. There's also the opportunity for family reunions, which have been taken away now, hasn't it? Absolutely. People have been absolutely desperate to get to see those families. You know, some people may be ill, some people they haven't seen for over 15, 16 months. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it is really, really disappointing because... Um, normally I can understand the reasons and we're ready for it and we're sort of primed and we understand it. but this time I just cannot understand the reasoning behind the action. And I suppose it doesn't help you that, that data that the government's relying on claiming obviously as the infections have gone up in the country the concerns about another variant a mutation of the Indian variant um, that that information isn't public so I suppose it doesn't really help you just trying to trust to that guidance really aren't you? Totally. Transparency is really important. As all we see is the data we're, that we're, is available to us, which shows a very short, small spike. But don't forget, the people that go on these holidays, we are tested on the way out and on the way back. If, obviously, that there's a, you know, you've, you've got the infection, you will be then quarantined. So, again, I'm just a little bit confused of exactly why. And the, the increase is so minor at this point. And again, with, with regards to transparency, I mean, there, there are some calls today about scrapping uh, the, the amber section of the list and just having a green and red list, because effectively you're doing the same thing. Obviously, you're in a hotel as opposed to just quarantining at home. Do, do you think that makes a bit more sense, a bit more clarity to do that? I, I think I think so now. I think the amber list is a pointless exercise for us all. In truth, I think that we in the travel industry as an industry would be not happy, of course. But if we have clarity to say, look, we are not going anywhere. Let's just let's just shut down until the 1st of July or whatever. Then we'll review rather than having a traffic light system that literally is it's holiday, you know, hokey cokey. You're in one minute, you're out the next. It's, it's just dreadful. Holiday makers have got until 4 a.m. on Tuesday to get back and avoid the 10 day mandatory isolation period. Lauren Hampshire lives near Maidstone and has just got back from a week's holiday in Portugal. So, Lauren, thanks ever so much for being on the podcast today. You've just got back, as I say, from what looked like a a glorious week over in Portugal. But how did you feel before travelling? Were you nervous at all? 
Before traveling to Portugal, I hadn't really felt particularly nervous um, because I knew I'd be having a COVID test. I knew everyone who was traveling out there would be. So I didn't feel nervous about COVID or catching COVID. I think I felt more nervous about what it was going to be like when we were over there. Would we have to wear face masks on the beach and would we have to wear them by the pool? Um, What was it like there as far as COVID is concerned and feeling safe? It actually felt very similar to being over here. So you did have to wear face masks when you were in shops and going into restaurants and things. But once you sat down, you were able to take them off. I actually think it is slightly stricter over there because people were wearing them more within the streets and when they're out and about. Um, whereas over here, obviously, it's you don't when you're walking down the street. So in that way, it probably did feel safer than than being over here. But it was also a lot easier than I think we'd been led to believe. So we didn't have to wear masks on the beach. We didn't have to wear them when we were beside the pool. You would wear them when you were walking into a restaurant. But once you sat down, you could take them off. The same at the beach and the pool. You would walk to wear them when you were going to the beach. But then once you were sat down, you could take them off. So you didn't have to worry, as everyone kept saying, about getting tan lines while wearing a mask. That didn't end up happening. We did go to a theme park there and everyone had to wear masks when you were walking around and when you went to see the shows. It was a bit um, uncomfortable in the heat um, because, you know, it was pretty warm um, and wearing a face mask wasn't the most comfortable. But if that's what we have had to do and that's what we have to do at the moment, then we totally understood that. And they did have marshals kind of telling you off if you weren't wearing, not telling you off, but kind of saying to you, you need to wear your mask correctly. So they were very um, vigilant about that. And I felt, I did feel safe um, over there. And yeah, we actually had such a brilliant time. And if getting away meant having to wear a mask for a short time, then for us, it was totally worth it. Were you surprised about the, the decision then for it to come off the green list? So we literally just got off the plane when we found out that Portugal had gone from the green list to the amber list. So the first reaction was relief, I guess, that we'd managed to make it back before that had happened. But I also did feel really sad about it because we'd had such a lovely week and we'd met so many lovely Portuguese people and business owners, um, you know, people that worked in the restaurants and the theme parks. And they'd made such an effort to make sure that they were COVID safe and to now lose out on having the British tourists there for the next few weeks, I think will have a massive impact on them. And so I actually, I feel very sorry for a lot of the businesses over there who really had made such an effort and were really, really lovely. Um, so yeah, I was very surprised because I felt very safe over there. There were lots of masks around, there was social distancing. There were never any areas where I felt crowded or I felt at risk or any worries. Everyone's having a test before they go out there. Then you have a test when you're out there. You know, we've I've never had so many tests and so I've never felt so COVID free. Um, so for me, yeah, I was very surprised and, and very saddened because I feel it's important for us to be able to have a break and get away. You know, I own a business, my husband owns a business and having that week away really, really helped our mental health. And I think it was great for the kids to get away. So I do feel very sad that that families now aren't going to be able to get away. And also that many of the people in the hospitality industry and like the theme parks in Portugal are really going to be hit by this decision. 
Lauren, thank you ever so much. We can also let us know today what you think by taking part in our poll. Should Portugal have been moved onto the AMBER list? You can vote in the story at kentonline.co.uk. Here, latest figures show a rise in the coronavirus infection rate in some parts of Kent. Across the county, 308 people tested positive in the week to last Saturday. That's up by about 40% compared to the previous seven days. Medway and Dartford have seen the biggest increase but cases have gone down in Canterbury and Maidstone, despite concerns about the Delta variant, which originated in India. Because of that variant, enhanced COVID testing is underway in Maidstone. A mobile unit's been set up on Union Street for anyone living and working in the ME141 postcode area or anyone who's been to the Quaker Meeting House in the last month. Surge testing is also taking place in Canterbury following a small number of cases of the mutation there. Kent Online News. Of the top stories today, and a 17-year-old boy's been arrested after a man suffered a head injury at a Kent beach. Police, paramedics and the air ambulance were called to Viking Bay in Broadstairs when violence broke out between the group yesterday. The victim was taken to hospital and the teenager's being held on suspicion of assault. A homeless man who threatened to shoot two Kent police officers has been jailed for more than two and a half years. Daniel Parks believed one of them was having an affair with his wife. The 44-year-old was arrested in Spain last year following a European arrest warrant. He denied making threats to kill in 2013. A month on from a blast that destroyed several homes in Ashford and there's still no decision on what's going to happen to them. The gas explosion on Millview in the Willsborough part of town left seven people injured, two of them seriously. Three of the properties are owned by the council, the other privately. It's still likely they'll be demolished. Nearly £800,000 is being spent to prevent crime in parts of Ramsgate and Canterbury. Kent's Police and Crime Commissioner has received the money from the government's Safer Streets Fund. Matthew Scott says it'll go towards improving CCTV and home security equipment, as well as providing personal attack alarms for some young women and girls. Now, a double-decker bus is being transformed into a travelling supermarket to help those in Sheppey who are struggling financially. Families will be charged just a small fee to help cover the cost of groceries that are given out. It's hoped the vehicle will be up and running later this year, but £10,000 is needed to make it happen. Major Lynn Clifton is from the Sheerness Salvation Army. This bus will uh, offer a next step on from food banks with support and people... um Uh, joining a membership scheme to uh, get food each week. So families that are really struggling, trying to make ends meet, uh, will have regular, hopefully very fresh food uh, on a weekly basis. But also the upstairs will be uh, converted to be a support centre so they can come and talk about budgeting, debt management, just have a listening ear and a cup of coffee if if that's what's wanted. It's a support centre on wheels basically, both practically with the food provision from the community supermarket at the bottom and uh, in terms of agencies from the island on the top offering a whole range of support over the course of a week. So why do you need some money? So we're really hoping to get the bus on the road by September, which is when the furlough schemes comes to an end in this country. And we think that the need for a project like this will go uh, higher and higher and higher. So we've got a tight time frame. We still need to uh, pay for the, the decking out of the bus on the inside. As you can see, it's been painted on the outside. It's looking good. The inside needs to be converted to make it a community supermarket and a support centre upstairs. Um, and we haven't got enough cash yet. So that's the, the bottom line is. So if uh, 
anyone's listening and would like to support this project in a financial way, that would just be brilliant. And uh, it's Sheppey Community Development Forum are the group organising this project. And uh, if you get in touch with Paul Murray at Oasis Academy, then uh, he would be able to give you details of uh, how to how to contribute towards this really exciting project. Kent Online reports. Orphaned bear cubs who've been living at an animal park in Kent are bidding farewell as they head off to their forever home. Mish and Lucy were rescued by Wildwood Trust near Herne Bay after being abandoned by their mum in the Albanian wilderness. They've spent the past two years in the county and are moving to Devon. A former contestant on TV's The Apprentice is campaigning to give a rundown skate park in Kent a much-needed makeover. Businessman J.D. O'Brien has set up a crowdfunder to build what he describes as something special for Swan at St Mary's Road Wreck. Plans include a beginner's mini ramp, facilities for wheelchair users and a girls only skating day. Skateboarding will be recognised as an Olympic sport for the first time this summer. A 20-year campaign to get brown tourist signs on the M2 pointing to Sheppey could rumble on a bit longer because of where a new visitor centre has opened. The facility in Sheerness was a requirement to get the motorway signs, but now it turns out it might be too far away. Rules state a tourist information centre should be four miles from a motorway junction. This one is six. Our reporter John Nurden has been speaking to Sheppey's MP, Gordon Henderson. One of the important things on, on, on Sheppey is that we need to encourage more people to come to this fantastic place we've got here. And the only way we can do that is by providing them with facilities when they arrive. And one of those is a visitor centre so that they can come and find out where they've got to go and where they what, uh, what we offer on the island. Uh, and that in turn leads to uh, trying to get more people to visit the island by having a, uh, a proper brown sign on the M2 which directs people to the Isle of Sheppey uh, and that should have been done years ago and hasn't and uh, it's something we really got to work on. Having a tourist information centre is part of the deal of getting a brown sign is that right? Yes it is that, that, that was one of the problems that uh, when we were we've been lobbying Highways England who are responsible for that for for, for some time now uh, and they said that they can't put a brown sign up unless uh, an area has a visitor centre uh, and so that was one of the reasons but having having done that it's not the sole reason I think it is good to have a focus where people know where they go to get information about some of the fantastic uh, uh, offers that Sheppey has. Having a tourist information centre now does that mean that it's going to be closer for, for Sheppey to get a ground tourist sign? Well hopefully uh, it's something we're still working on uh, uh, and we, we should know more about that in, in the next couple of weeks. But I will, if, if Highways England fail to provide a brown site, having us gone to all of the trouble of getting this centre, then I can assure you I'll be in first thing the following Monday beating the desk of the transport secretary to make something get something happen. A park and ride service is going to be tried out in Folkestone this summer as more of us are expected to visit the coast. Stagecoach will run buses between the Mottis Business Centre in Chariton near Junction 12 of the M20 and Folkestone Harbour via the railway station. It's launching over the summer holidays to try and ease traffic and parking problems. And at Kent Online today you can see inside a Kent cinema that's so tiny it can't open until all social distance 
sequencing has ended. Cinemarsh on Romney Marsh was supposed to open in April last year, just a month after we went into lockdown. More than a year later, bosses are hopeful it can eventually welcome customers in the summer when big blockbusters are back too. Kent Online Sport. Cricket, and it's been reported today, Ollie Robinson, who's from Margate, could be dropped from the England team for their second test against New Zealand next week. The Sussex bowler apologised for sexist and racist tweets sent eight years ago, which emerged on Tuesday. He made a statement after making his England debut. Well, that's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also subscribe to the IM News app, which will give you access to all KM Group newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll be back with the podcast on Monday. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.